my name is Ruben Pillai and this is SHB Unfiltered, brought to you by the Stop Holding Back Foundation, a UK personal development charity geared towards improving the lives of people who stutter. We are the only podcast run by people who stutter, talking about a range of topics, streaming live and taking Q&A. We are committed to changing the way people think about stuttering breaking barriers and unleashing potential please support us on patreon and enjoy this next episode the change begins when you stop holding back one this is shb unfiltered the podcast episode number chris three 23, yes. 23, yeah, I had to think about that for a second. Come to uh, episode number 23, LeBron James. Yes, LeBron well, James. LeBron James or Michael Jordan, depending. Depending. Young generation or new generation? Depending on you. But episode number 23, which means we have been podcasting for 23 consecutive days. As we are currently in lockdown, still in lockdown. Coronavirus is taking over. But we are still here podcasting from our houses, trying to keep safe and trying to stay sane. CJ, how's your day been? <laughs> how's your day been, dude? Uh, today has been a good day. Today has been an interesting day. Do you want to let people know what we've been up to or should I tell them what you've been up to? I'll let them know what we've been up to. You carry on, dude. You carry on. Today... Ruben and I joined the PSF Toastmasters meeting, which is the Pakistan Stammering Foundation Toastmasters. They have a King Speakers Toastmasters attached to their foundation, which is quite cool that they have that all in-house. Ahmed, who was on our podcast the other day, I think it was Friday, was it? Yeah, Friday. Friday. Yeah, Friday. On Friday. He kindly invited us to be part of it. And me and Ruben joined the meeting, which was conducted over Zoom. It was a video conference. There was about 15 people in there, Ruben, I'd say. 15 yeah. people, 14, 15 Wicked people. experience. Wicked experience. Yeah, it was a um, good experience. Really good, Chris. And Chris had a good time, I could tell. <laughs> I had a good time. I thought it was hilarious that I went on the meeting and I saw Aranja in there. You managed to convince the wife to get involved. Definitely, definitely. It was a good way for us to um, bond in, in, in a different way. And plus, it, it was a, an excuse to actually kind of do something together as well during the quarantine period. And we'll definitely uh, look back on it with a lot of laughter because dude, it was just a wicked experience. So, so funny. It was. So funny. It was really funny. The whole setup of it was obviously new to me, personally. I've only been to a couple of Toastmasters in real life, in person. So to experience one over Zoom, and then to have people from all over the world in there was was just crazy. And uh, it started a little bit later than expected. There was a few technical issues, but we got that sorted and. Yeah, it was hilarious. It was a, it was, 
enjoyable. Usually these speaking situations, you can get quite nervous, new people. Um, I went as a guest of Ahmed. Um, but I thought it was cool that you took on an actual role the first time ever. Yeah, because um, he DM'd me and said if I wanted to be a grammarian because they didn't have someone in that slot. So I said, yeah, cool. Um, so I thought I'd give it a crack. And I thought it was a bit tricky over Zoom. But yeah, it was really good. You, yourself, Chris, you managed to win table, table topics. Yeah. Table topics, which is uh, amazing. And <laughs> that topic was really hard, but you actually um, gave it a really good, good attempt. And it was a lot of fun. I, we were just saying when he was describing the question, me and Aranja were just like looking at your face, just you were like <laughs> you, you were like sinking into your chair, just oh my god, what have I left myself let myself into? This one. <laughs> it was so funny, but you really smashed it, dude. You really, really smashed it. Mate. He asked me, Do you want a difficult question or do you want an easy question? Well, look, what do you want me to say? Yeah, I'll take the easy one. I'm never gonna take that route. So I was like, listen, I'm up for the challenge. And then he hit me with it. Um, how, how did he phrase the question? You've woken up with no hands, you look in the mirror, and you are coronavirus. Yeah, pretty much. And from what my notes, from my grammarian notes, I still have them here. Some of the lines you came up with, I didn't have time to, to go through everything in detail because they were quite rushed with the grammarian section. But some of the stuff you came up with was was like so funny because you start speaking in in doubles so okay. um so you said you said things like i live on metal surfaces i live on fabric surfaces <laughs> surfaces and and, and 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 then like um i think when you finished it it was quite powerful as well you finished it with are people after me? Are people trying to wipe me off the world? And I was thinking like, wow, he actually gave this virus personality. He personified a virus that, that is kind of very relevant, relevant at the moment in the world, but gave it personality and got me thinking, shit, man, like, we all think the virus is the bad guy, but virus has feelings too. Thanks to Chris's table topic. Yeah, really good. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying, I was just trying to make light of the question, light of the situation that I was in, which was quite a daunting situation because over Zoom, a Toastmasters meeting over Zoom, I think is, I think it's more daunting than in, person because you look across your screen you've got all these boxes and everyone's there like and they're proper looking at you and you can I felt like I was being watched more than I ever have been when I've done any type of public speech whether it be at a Toastmasters whether it be at a lecture hall whether it be at a family event I felt today but then I don't know if the difficulty of the question played a role and obviously I was trying to think on my feet, which is always quite difficult. But it was cool, man. Listen, take on the challenge. I, I had fun. It's like hearted. Everyone's there to improve themselves. 
And that's what I rate. There were so many people there. Really to good. Picture. Really good. And um, maybe for next time, if you want to come back on Sunday, you can bring Chris Papacosta on as well. <laughs> Chris, I love it. Chris, you're up. Yeah. So he can um, go global. There were actually a few other things that I didn't get a chance to say, like reading back on my, um, the notes I took as grammarian. There was, um, do you remember the evaluator, the second one, who was a bit hench? Can we, can we just clear up for people that might not know, what is the role of a grammarian? In every Toastmaster meeting, there is a person who's called the grammarian. They would propose a word of the day that everyone has to try to incorporate into their speech and also look out for devices in, in kind of how the language is used. So if there's any kind of clever things in there or patterns of speech or things that are quite interesting, then the grammarian can pick them out and report back. It's also a good way for um, you can share kind of other people's strengths with the rest of the group that they may have missed out on. So you have a specific person that picks out these things. So, um, so for example, I picked out um, quite a few things from the first speaker. So he was quite descriptive and he gave like, really descriptive words to some of his experiences which meant we could feel the emotions when he was talking about some of his past stories he spoke in short sentences which made very impactful he was asking quite a lot of rhetorical questions and then answering them um, one of the other guys incorporated a thing called the power of three that we use in Toastmasters where you speak in threes so you could ask rhetorical questions in three parts or, or kind of like speaking, say like three points at a time. And that's quite effective. Now this evaluator did this uh, hench dude, he had a sentence and when he said it at first, I thought, oh, right, this is really cool. And then I wrote down the sentence on, my notepad and here she spoke in in a palindrome so if you don't know what a palindrome is it's something that is if you have a word that's spelt the same way forwards and backwards so an, an example could be boob so you can spell boob forward and backwards but he gave a sentence in a palindrome which was <laughs> i could have picked a better example but that's okay i might so so he said you don't limit the challenge you challenge the limits so when he said that i wrote that down in my notes and you could see that the words doesn't with the sentence you could kind of say it the same way backwards and forward as well so that was quite interesting. And like I said before, you were speaking in first person with your coronavirus topic and Aranja was speaking in like hypothetical third person. So there's different 
Yeah, like it isn't just pub public speaking and just uh, chatting and stuff. It's um, there's quite a lot going into it. But anyway, it was a good experience. We're gonna like um, deep dive a bit more probably because there was quite a lot going on in terms of people in that group who were stuttering. It was quite a very um, international group as well. Um, but yeah, like, what did you think of the um, vibe in there and stuff? Encouraging and positive and what do you feel going into it? And how do you feel there? I thought, as well as us at SHB, um, I thought that that was the most positive stuttering community that I've ever been involved in. The way they push each other, the way they encourage each other, the way they applaud each other for the action that they take is like very similar to us. And I think it was really nice to see, you know, people were describing other people's journeys and congratulating them on how far they'd come. People were comparing their first speech they ever made to one that they made today. And they were like, you know, your transformation has been amazing. The way you're prepared to implement this, the way you've learned that in your first speech, you didn't do this, but in today you've done this, this and this, you've taken it on board. And it's not just about stuttering. It's about learning how to present. It's about learning how to communicate more effectively. I thought it was brilliant that there's a R clocker uh, counter, is it? So, yeah, yeah, it's an R counter, but it isn't like um, prominent in every Toastmaster group. It, it isn't like um, a mandatory role. Because some, some people think it's a bit too overkill and in some groups I've been to they um they consolidate the the role for that within the grammarian role mm -hmm. so um the grammarian would do both so I was quite surprised that they had a separate R counter for this meeting because even if it was like a small group with 14 to 15 people it would be easier to consolidate certain roles where where they can um, I just wanted to ask you then because they are really kind of like pro ones pro working on their speech and that's precisely why they actually established Toastmasters group within the stuttering foundation itself. Now, do you think that it's important for any stuttering organization or charity to have some kind of path to actually improving your speech available and if they don't have anything then what then are they actually serving a purpose to um their community what do you think i think it is very important to have that i think you need to know what you're working towards and you need to know you need to have a way to see how far you've come. And I think today that Toastmasters meeting was a great way for those individuals that were making the speech today to see how far they'd come. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of what Ahmed implements 
and I don't know what his program is um, in terms of the ins and outs, but I do know that by helping people take action and making them confident and comfortable to get involved in something like a Toastmasters meeting, that only proves that that person is making progress because that person probably would never have dreamt of being able to do something like that before they met Armin. And, I th and that's why I think it is very important. Now, not to say it has to be a Toastmasters, but when you're working on your speech, it's very important to have goals and milestones that you want to hit personally. Because when are you going to test yourself? When are you going to see, okay, I'm doing this, I'm working on my speech, I'm implementing these mindset tools, I'm doing this every day, I'm advertising, but when are you going to test yourself that you're actually doing things now that you never believed would be possible before you started to work on your speech? If you're not testing yourself, then how do you know how far you've come? And then also, you might be so pleasantly surprised. You might think you've not come that far, and then you do something like that, and you realise, wow, I've actually come far. And then it motivates you even more. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's like, essential. What do you think, Rubes? Yeah, um, completely agree as well. <clears throat> and on top of that, it, it gives the, the members a platform to actually embark on this journey if they choose to. Because if you don't have any kind of like pathway there, and if you're purely just built to signpost to like a wide range of courses and programs and stuff, then are you really helping your, your members? Um, the reason why I bring it up is like, it isn't kind of kind of a secret that sometimes because we are quite a new charity within the stuttering community, I don't think people maybe take us seriously at times. And maybe, maybe, maybe because we, we were, we were linked, we were linked before to previous programs and groups people don't kind of want to uh, align themselves with us, but like we are the ones actually networking with organizations in karate and these places in, in, in Asia at the moment, I'm going to spend the next few days trying to get us a presence somewhere else in a different stuttering organization in a different country because dude like we're quarantined at the moment and everyone's on zoom and to be honest like we could spend our time on house party or or like organizing pub quizzes and that kind of stuff or we can actually be proactive within the community and and start like integrating with our friends globally because in the end, 1% isn't a lot. And this 1% here is probably less prominent elsewhere because the presence of stuttering here, yeah, is quite small. There is, isn't, isn't much exposure, but it's probably worse off in other countries where kind of 
um, they aren't as developed or made a PC as the UK is. So it's less kind of, it's harder to actually put yourself out there as someone with an impediment or perceived disability. So that's why I, I, I feel I feel that it's important that we spend our time actually doing this now while we can. Because like you said on a podcast a few weeks ago, if you come out of the lockdown and you haven't kind of achieved anything or like learning your skill, then you've actually missed the trick. And that's kind of what we're trying to do here. And, and, um, and we are definitely picking up a few extra skills along the way. I mean, you, for example, you pretty confident speaking and everything, but even today you were like, okay, this is quite tricky. And, and now you've done it. Like looking back now, you've actually achieved, achieved a milestone today, right? So uh, hats off to you, man. Hats off to you. Cheers, man. But for you, I know that you've been part of Toastmasters for a long time, but even today, it's a different type of Toastmasters setting for you, isn't it? Yeah, I completely, you know, completely agree. Yeah. So it's... even that can be a challenge, even though you're familiar with the process, you're familiar with what is going to happen at every meeting, you've experienced every role, but you change the setting and it's something that you might not recognize or something that you might not used to, might not be used to, or things don't go according to plan. Like today, I know you were expecting to hear five speakers today and yeah, five, five. And two people unfortunately couldn't make it. So, you know, and then the program starts to change and then the timekeeper wasn't available, had to get a new timekeeper. So, you know, all these things, when you're expecting something to flow a certain way and it's your first time experiencing it, it can be a challenge. Dude, like, if um, you, you think this was hard as well. So I wasn't there, but one of the guys at my club, he got to the, the third round of the Toastmaster contest. They had to do that over Zoom. Yeah, and that is crazy, right? So, um, and, and with that contest, uh, that event, it was five hours long. They had guest speakers and seminars and breakouts and stuff like that. So, um, thankfully, he actually won as well. So, so, he got through to the district finals, which is massive, by the way. Really, really big. However, like... Um, this is brand new for like quite quite a few of us and for me it was my first toastmaster meeting over the video conferencing so i want to do a few more just to get that under my belt so ahmed if you're watching i'll see you next sunday looking forward to that chris and chris papacosta will hopefully be joining us too well, <coughs> we're, uh, we're gonna have to see about that because next week is greek Easter. So Greek Easter doesn't fall on the same weekend as the English Easter. So next week we might be tied up, but we'll see if we can take a couple of hours out and we'll see if we can work it out. 
to, just to ask, is that something to, to do with the calendars being different or is it just, is it all yeah. the week after? To be honest, you're asking the wrong person, but <laughs> something to do with the orthodox calendar is different. Got it. I just want to quickly draw attention to the live feed because apparently Sanjok Sandhu has joined us and I've been trying to call this guy to get him back on the podcast. Yeah, he's lost. Has he clicked onto Facebook rather than Zoom today? Is that what he's done? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea, man. But Sanjog, if you're out there, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're good. Sanjog Sandy. Chris, what can SHB learn from today? Because I feel like there's so much to actually think about and process and take away because there's a few things we can actually incorporate and move forward. Maybe put some some of these aspects into our meetups. Yeah, I think one thing that I learned today is uh, in terms of stuttering and how they view it abroad and how the stuttering communities abroad operate, I think it's quite different to the way we operate in the UK. I think that from my observation personally, the stuttering, the different stuttering communications, communities abroad, they're more closely linked than we are here and they're more willing to integrate together more than we are here. I feel like the UK is very divided in its stuttering communities. You've got one over here, one over there, one over there, one over there. So if I've got a stutter and I want to get involved in a community, I feel like I have to choose one and I feel like I have to commit to that one. But when you mix with other stuttering foundations abroad, you realize that's not how it works. They're linked together. They're helping each other out. They're all working towards the same thing. And I think that that is something that should be implemented in the UK. You know, today on that call, you had people from all over the world, from all of, from all different stuttering foundations different stuttering organizations, but they all wanted an opportunity to come together and be a part of something together and encourage each other. And I think that that is something that is definitely lacking here in the UK. It's very much, this is our community and that's your community. I don't know if you feel the same, Ruben. I don't yeah, know you... um, that I didn't actually think of that properly. So that's really, really, really good for you to point that out. I just wanted to uh, give everyone a, a better idea of what we were talking about. So on the meeting today, you had us sign in from London. You had one of the DTMs. So he's a distinguished Toastmaster, which is a really, really um, high achievement, high award to get in Toastmasters. Darlene from Dallas. You had one guy from Saudi Arabia and the rest from Karachi. And um, like that's three different continents or four if you count Saudi Arabia as part of the Middle East. So that's four different continents, which is incredible. One aspect I thought, which, which I found was more prominent was probably which I want to, to actually check with you as well, is do you think they are more kind of 
intervention focused than acceptance focused. So I think here some people just happy to feel like they have acceptance and refuse to work on their speech. But out there, there's emphasis on actually saying like, try and improve and you can get a better job or like take your salary or your life and everything to do to like the next level. Yes, they do kind of like accept and go out and speak, even though they're blocking like mad, but they are a lot more driven towards the intervention model than, um, than maybe the primary organization within the UK. Yeah, they are. But I think that their attitude towards intervention is completely different to what ours is here. Our attitude is usually, right, we're going to go on this program and we're going to use these tools and techniques and we're going to learn to speak in a new way. Theirs I found today was a little bit different. Theirs was, I'm going to take action. And the more action I take, the more I'm going to improve. And after I repeat that over and over again, I am going to get better at this. And I think that's quite, that's quite a contrast to what we experience here in the UK. Yeah. Um, I think they understand that it is a long game. Whereas here there's a lot more, I don't know, like, do you think it's because there's like this, this kind of blue pill, red pill approach of, or take this and do this three day course or this seminar for a weekend or just something and you will, walk through a bit like going to a car wash you just drive through everyone scrubs it you get a hoover in you just carry on driving with your music on and then you come through and you're completely different you're transformed but there they understand that it's a bit more of a long term kind of small gains over a long period of time i don't know if yeah i don't know if they're better at explaining the expectations of the intervention programs over there. But I feel like they appreciate that the effort has to come from them. And I think they appreciate that it's not about if this program works, it's are you prepared to work for that program? And I feel like they're a good example of that. Whereas I feel like, I mean, I look at the forums, I look at the starring community, I look at the BSA forum, and there's a lot of people that ask, can you tell me if blah, blah, blah program works? I mean, like, what kind of question is that? Uh, it's very difficult to answer that. But like, does this program work? Well, yeah, you need to actually, like, work at it. It's yeah. a bit like me saying, oh, like, I'm going to go to Virgin Active. Does Virgin Active work? No, you need to go in the gym and run on the treadmill, pick up some weights and do some classes and turn up three, four times a week for two, three years. And then by the end of it, it'll, it'll work. <laughs> yeah. And also people in, I think the people in the UK are, all, are always obsessed with success rate. What is the success rate? What is the success rate of that program? What is the success rate of that program? Well, what is the success rate of anything? Tell me the success rate of the amount of businesses that get launched in a year and at the end of the year they no longer exist. 
So does that mean that no one should open a business? If 70% of all businesses close within the first year and 90% of those businesses are closed by the end of year two, does that mean that no one should open a business? So if the success rate of a certain program is not as high as you would like it to be for you to get involved in it, then you're going to find it hard to find one with a 100% success rate. I, yeah, I completely agree with that because the problem is that these things are packaged as programs, but in a sense, they're kind of they're guided self-help approaches. And when you're like um, selling that, you're putting, you, because you kind of guide the, the candidate or the member through that program. And then for them to maintain it, they need to be, able to be able to apply the same principles themselves. So that's where kind of the self-help aspect comes from. However, if you aren't kind of ready to actually take on these, like, these approaches or these challenges, because if you aren't the type of person to wake up at six in the morning and do some press-ups and, and have a like a routine just in the morning or just a basic routine. People don't even like do any exercise in the morning or stretch and make their bed or do affirmations or, or that kind of thing then have discipline throughout the day. If you are undisciplined, which is kind of the majority of us are undisciplined, including me, I think as well. Um, then these things aren't going to work they aren't going to work. That's the thing. And um, part of the reason why I've had quite a bit of success with my speech is because, yeah, like I have so many excuses to procrastinate and to avoid doing stuff because I'm bothered or to wake up late. But I actually forced myself through to wake up early. And then I just strategically arrange things and plan my day in a way where, where it makes it really hard to avoid doing the hard thing. So I do it in a way where I get downstairs and my weights are there. Get downstairs and the coffee stuff is prepped or the gym bag is ready. The mat's ready so I can do some press-ups. Everything's packed the, and, and all my clothes are ready. So it's all just there, like kind of one by one by one. Now, how many people do you think do that generally? And if you, and if like you are the kind of person who wants to prove your speech, these are the type of changes you need to make before you can actually tackle these programs because these are the skills you need to actually maintain the technique maintain things like waking up early and doing your breathing exercises people barely make up to get to the, to the train on time and i'm not saying as a dig that's just really common every everyone every morning is always late for the train why is everyone always running for the train <laughs> the train's not late that person is late and if you need to like do your breathing exercises then how can you build it in and what I find when I speak to people from you know, different countries 
working on their speeds. They are a lot more, a lot more driven, a lot more driven. They take ownership really early on. Look at that kid who he did that first speech, and he he was just speaking with so much freedom and just happy, and he talked about experiences in school, blocking, and and experiences with a teacher and having to speak when he didn't want to, but then spoke about the successes that he had at contests and, and events and stuff. And it was just incredible. But here, like you kind of, people aren't encouraged to like push into, into those zones. And they're often, and they're often applauded for doing the bare minimum. Yeah. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of skeptics in the stuttering community, and rightly so, because there is a lot of people offering a lot of things out there. And I think like when something new comes out or there's an intervention program, a lot of people are waiting to see if it actually works or not, whether to rather than waiting to see if that person uses it and takes action in their life. And to talk about that, that kids today that made that first speech at the Toastmasters meeting, it was actually the evaluation on him that I thought was really good because he pointed out his transition. He was like, you know, I can't believe how far you've come. And this is what people in the Southern community need to see to get inspiration. You know, it doesn't always have to be about how fluent you are or how how much you stutter less now than before. It's about, is the stutter preventing you from doing things you really want to do? Is it preventing you from making new friends, getting part of new communities? You know, I never dreamed that I would be part of a Toastmasters meeting like I was today, over Zoom. Yeah, same here as well. Even, even, even as soon as three, four days ago, this is the last thing, or... Because it, it, it would have been really hard to, to actually expect to be on a video Toastmasters meeting on an Easter Sunday with a stuttering group in Pakistan. Yeah. With exactly. you, Chris, and my wife spending our <laughs> <laughs> afternoon. And, and like I, I told you earlier, and I told her, like, um, this is probably. Like the last place you would have seen each other after the wedding. <laughs> yeah, oh no, incredible, I isn't it? Would have expected to see Aranja after the wedding. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to post your video up on up on Instagram as well. The, uh, the tabletop is that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll post a bit of it up because it was actually quality, actually quality. You know what? On a serious note, if you ask me to repeat anything that I said during that tabletop, I wouldn't be able to tell you one word. So funny. Hilarious, 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 hilarious. I don't know. Hilarious. But I'm interested to hear the conversation you had with Aranja to convince her to come on it. It was pretty straightforward, actually. It was a lot easier than, than I thought it was, but I think she didn't expect, um, as in, the way I explained to her first, I, I don't think she expected it to be like that. So by the time she was on, it was too late. I was like, she's like, wait, what's this? I said, oh, it's a bit like that. Because she's come to a contest before where, where I was speaking at a contest. And, 
So yeah, it's a bit like that, but it's a bit more chilled out because it, it isn't for like a um, like a speaking title or anything like. That. It's just a normal club meeting. And she's like, "Oh, will I have to speak?" I said, "No, just come on as, as, <laughs> and just um, stuff." And then she rocks up and she's like, "Wait, so where are the other girls?" And I'm like, "I think this is you." <laughs> and then um, and then bit by bit, like I was just trying to like like rope her into taking up the speaking role. And then eventually she did a table topic. Um, Cause I think when- She done really well at, by the yes, way. Yes, 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 yes. Um, it was only after your one where they asked kind of, does anyone else want to do one? And I was like, dude, if Chris did one, then you didn't have any excuse, come on. And, and then she's like, oh, Ruben, I hate you so much. And then she put her hand up and then um, she got her topic and then, yeah, like she did really well. And then I did all right as well. But um, I didn't think he'd heed it. He'd asked me because I'd already have, because I already had a speaking role as grammarian. Yeah. But yeah, it was um, really good. Like I've said before in a previous podcast, just Toastmasters is incredible um, for any level of public speaking if you want to just kind of improve your speaking improve your performance at work uh become a professional public speaker or just simply like get some practice on standing up and speaking in front of people if you're scared to do that so so it caters for all levels of public speaking and and if dan Pena recommends it what can I say, man? Because he thinks everything else is crap. Yeah. If it's good enough for him, it's definitely good enough for us. But definitely. I thought it was hilarious how, with everyone, Ahmed kind of said, is there anyone that would like to take part in the table topics? And then after, Haranji was like, Ruben, do you want to do one? Like, he didn't, he didn't leave it to the floor and wait for you to volunteer. He was like, Ruben, I know you want to do one. I know yeah. you're... I know you're itching to just say, yeah, I do, I do, I do. There, it is a kind of like um, an unspoken, I wouldn't say rule, but an unspoken vibe within the Toastmaster community where if you're visiting other clubs, so I've been to quite, quite, quite a few clubs in the past, different clubs doing kind of club evaluations, guest speaker, teaching, etc. And one of the unspoken rules is, one of the gifts they can give a visiting person from a different club is, is, is an opportunity to do table topics. So that's why when, when he offered it, I had to take it. So that's like kind of one of the unspoken rules of Toastmasters. Yeah, the unspoken etiquette. The unspoken etiquette. After offer a member from another club that joins you a chance to take the floor and speak. Definitely, definitely. I'm just going to segue slightly because yesterday I did ask you what was the most randomest video you watched today. I want to ask you what was the most randomest video you watched today as opposed to yesterday. Probably watching myself back on the Baguette Foundation Toastmasters. Um, Funny you said that because I thought the same thing. 
<laughs> and I was actually going to try and play it here. No, no, it's all right. You don't have to do that. Oh, yes, I can. Oh. I can. I'm, I'm going to try to reorganize this tech. And um, I think they, they appreciate it. They appreciate it as well because English isn't their first language, but you kept it really simple, like short sentences, just like really, it was funny, but you weren't trying to be funny. Yeah, I wasn't, sure what, yeah I wasn't sure what it starts to take. I wasn't sure if I should put myself, if I should create that persona or if I should just say, if I was coronavirus, I would probably do blah, blah, blah. I thought I'd make it a bit more interesting for... First person. Yeah, I thought talking in the first person, this makes it a little bit different. It might bring a bit more, a little bit of humour to it. I know it's a difficult topic, but it could bring a little bit more humour to it. I think everyone enjoyed it, so it was cool. Does this give you the itch to actually uh, come back to one in London? And maybe do a local one or go in the central. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's now made me realise even more the skills you can pick up at Toastmasters. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Like people think I don't really want to get involved in public speaking. I'm maybe going to have to do one speech in my life at my wedding. But it's not about that. It's about all the other skills that you can learn whilst you're there. You know, making yourself conscious. Are you always saying erms and wells and are you using filler words a lot? I do. I don't use them all the time and I try to be aware of them, but I do know that I use them. It isn't the end of the world, but it does make you a much better speaker if you don't. And these things are, these improve your communication skills. Just being able to take the floor. You never know when you're going to find yourself in that opportunity in, at work, in business, um, at a family function, you know, some people are scared to talk in a room of 20 people and they're related to every person in the room. So, like, people are scared to make a wedding speech. But chances are, you know 99% of the people that are there. 
but that still scares you. And some people are confident to do it in front of a load of strangers they've never seen before in their life. So there's no real consistent logic to it. It's just the individual and these skills help towards just being an all-round improved speaker. So that's why I really want to get back to it. Does today change the way you want to work on your speech? So has it changed maybe some of your your targets and goals, giving you new things to aim for, or maybe taking you a bit away from an actual traditional type kind of working on your speech kind of aspects. By that, I mean kind of like going to shops and buying stuff and ordering things to actually now to like a different realm where you want to, eva- where you want to improve your like evaluating skills. So if you want to, evaluate people in front of a group that's a whole different ball game there's a whole different speaking skill to learn and all these other aspects like grammarian picking out kind of these things so, so like paying attention to a two-hour meeting and actually being able to, to pay attention to what people are saying because you probably know as well as someone who stutters before you start working in speech and maybe during doing the early stages if you were about to speak, what would you be doing in the one or two hours before? Panicking. So how can you listen to other people speak and take notes and process and turn it into credible feedback if you're panicking? You That's can't. like a whole different skill to learn. Yeah. And these things, perfect place to gain them. You, you are not going to get them spending three, four, five, six years going to Caffeineira and ordering tap water I don't know. yeah yeah there, there comes a point there comes a point where like, you have to think all right I'm, I'm gonna let go of this stuff spend more time on this stuff and maybe your overall throughout the day your control of the speech may drop i block a lot more than maybe at some point when i peaked some time back but my ability to actually speak in front of large groups and run workshops and webinars has kicked off to, to a different level now. That's because I've spent more time putting my uh, en- energy into these environments than kind of traditional contacts. So that's why I thought like kind of for you personally, this may be the next step for you. This may be the next step. Yeah, I mean, when you work on your speech, there are the early stages that are important to everyone. And what might seem a small win to me now was a massive win at the beginning, but it's gone past the stage that you care about the individual words, getting the individual words out, uh, speaking in everyday situations. It's about learning how to handle more challenging conversations. So remove your speech for one minute. Fluent people find it very difficult to have certain conversations. So as a stutterer, those conversations will be even harder. As a business owner, you have to have difficult conversations quite often. And to be able to look at a situation, evaluate it, and be able to clearly articulate it in a way that is constructive and it's not 
you're not coming over over aggressive. You're not coming over across as you don't care. You're trying to say, this is what I've observed. This is what was right, but this is what was wrong. And these are the improvements that you, you need to make. If you don't develop that skill, then as a leader of a company, I think you're going to find it very hard. I think you're going to find it very hard to motivate staff because staff like to know what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. And they like to be told constructively. They like to know where they stand rather than you allowing things to drag on because you don't want to have that uncomfortable conversation and then you explode, which leads to that, leads to that individual usually leaving your company. And one thing I've learned in business is that people don't necessarily leave the job, they leave the boss. So I want to be a boss that helps to improve my staff, helps to motivate them, helps to lead them. And I think that a lot of the skills that you develop in Toastmasters can really help that. And I think that's where I'm going to try and take my speech to the next level. It's not so much, oh, I'm going to block less, I'm going to do this less, I'm going to formulate more, I'm going to do more contact, I'm going to get him to talk on the phone more. These things... These things are good up to a point, but now you have to take it to the next level. And that is our next level. Do you think as well that the fact that, that you are actively working on your speech and doing these crazy things, do you think that just as actions actually give a message to the people who work for you thinking, all right, so Chris actually identifies areas for himself to improve and is open to actually trying things out and taking risks and still trying to learn things. So it gives them the onus to actually learn things as well and, and identify their areas of improvement. Because I'm sure you've had experience in the past of some managers who think they have everything that they need and they don't really push themselves, but expect the people to work under them to push themselves and go on training courses. So the yeah. fact that you are doing it, do you think that actually sends a positive message to the people who work for you? Yeah, I personally think to be successful, you have to have that willingness to learn constantly and always be a student and never think that you're an expert or a master at anything. Yes, you might be a more advanced level and you might be able to teach other people, but you need to realize that you can always improve. There's always more to learn. And just because you've got to a certain level or you might have a certain amount of money, it's nothing to do with that. It's about what other skills you can gain and, what, and which areas can you improve on. And I think as long as you're aware and you're self-conscious and you're fully prepared to take on new challenges and learn, then you'll be all right. And I think that anyone would want to hire someone like that because they prefer to hire someone like that than someone that thinks they know it or one that are set in their ways. Because how can you mold someone to be part of that culture, that business, learn? How do you expect that person to progress? I might hire someone today that I have a vision for in a couple of years time and I know that they need to improve this, this, this and this, but they definitely have the potential to do it, but they might not have the mindset and they might think that they're too good for that or they're above that. And that's a problem. And that's actually very, very dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. Because if you have that mindset, then A, like you are not going to actually learn and improve and B, 
you will be hard to manage as well. And people sense that. That will be sensed by the manager. They're very, very dangerous. Chris, any final thoughts before we end episode 23? So I have one quick one. I've actually thought of two words that are palindromes. Mom and dad. Okay, easy, right? I've thought of one. Gone. Level. Oof. That's a lot better than my uh, three-word palindrome. That's fierce, <laughs> that's fierce, mate. It's fierce. There you, go. there you go. But yeah, today's been a cool day, man. And another cool podcast. Thanks to everyone that tuned in again. I can see a lot of people. I can see wow. a lot of my friends that are not part of the starting community. So I always appreciate the support. They've always supported Stop Holding Back as well, which is great. So cheers, everyone. Another good podcast. Ruben, as always, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, and just from my side as well, thank you very much to Ahmed for actually giving us the opportunity to rock up at the Pakistan Stammering Foundation Toastmasters Club meeting. We had a great time. We'll be talking about this for, for months and for years to come because this was a great experience and plus I got to share it with my other half. And just want to wish everyone celebrating happy Easter and I'll do the same to our Greek friends in a week's time. <laughs> but for your sake, Chris. And yeah, it's um, fantastic. We are on episode 23, almost done. And this feels like um, kind of, it feels like a home now. So I actually am enjoying this podcast so, so much. It's a lot of fun and I, I, in a strange way, I'm going to be sad when the, the quarantine ends, you know, I'm going to be sad because right. yeah, in, in a very, very strange way. I'm loving this. I'm loving this every day here as well. Our podcast, 6.15, live on Facebook, available on YouTube afterwards to catch up wherever you've missed, you know? Yes. It's cool. It is cool. Yeah. Cheers, Chris, as always. Thank you very much. And to everyone tuning in, tuned in, thank you as well. And just remember, stop holding back.